Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. The first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. I'm your host, Nick Williams, and this week's show is brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines? Are you tired of reading content meant for guys up north or in the Midwest? Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors magazine subscription and become a better southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors magazine can be found at your local Books A Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rural King, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. Alrighty guys, welcome back to another week of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. Hope y'all enjoyed last week's special on red-eye bass fishing that we did with uh, Dr. Matthew Lewis. Uh, it was a long show, but I think it was a good one. But we're back this week just to jump into a regular old fishing report. We're going to check with a couple guys throughout the state. And first up, we're going to talk with Grise here at Grise's Guide Service. Grise, how you doing today, sir? Hey, pretty good. Thanks for having me, Nick. Absolutely. Well, uh, I know we was talking a little off air earlier, and uh, you said that it was was looking pretty good. Said that uh, the fall bite was starting to pick up a little bit. We're getting some cooler evenings. It's hard to believe it right now at four o'clock in the afternoon, but it was actually cool this morning. We're getting some cool evenings. Talk to me about that. What what are the fish doing? You said you was out doing a little little scouting and a little playing around earlier today. How'd it go for you? Right. Uh, well, the water temperature's dropping, and I think that's the key. Of course, the the days are shorter, and, uh, you know, these fish, and and really it's about the shad. The shad move and the the bass move with them because, I mean, they're just not going to hang out in a place where they can't eat, you know. So that's what's going on. I mean, last time we talked, um, the water temperature was, I think, 85 or high 80s. Now uh, it's 78 today. So in these cool nights are bringing the water temperatures down and it's going to continue to drop so what happens this time of year and it can be a little difficult is you you have to you have to uh follow these these fish i mean they're moving they're not in the same place as they were two or three weeks ago so it's uh you got to do a little more homework sure what what do you usually look for i know i know you say follow the shad and and I'm sure that's intuitive for somebody who's been doing it for years like you. But how do you do that? How do you keep track of where the shad are? How are you identifying that shad movement? Well, I mean, you know, I got a lot of history on the lake, so I kind of know where they go certain times of the year. And, and you know, it's uh, it's almost a repeat sometimes, but sometimes not. So, so uh, history can get you in trouble sometimes. But you need to use your electronics. Uh, you you got to have the, the, the bait. Once you see the bait, then then you look for the fish. And so, but uh, these fish are not as deep as they were, you know, two or three weeks ago. Now they're anywhere from five to 15 foot. It depends on, you know, where you're at. So, I mean, these, these fish are, uh, you know, get, getting shallower. And uh, there's a there's a top water bite too. I, there was a, a tournament that went out of uh, River Bend a couple weeks ago, and they caught those fish on on frogs. So I'm sure there's a frog bite. I just I just don't do frog. I mean I will, but I, that's not my my deal. Sure. So do you, you're talking a little bit about about finding the bait there on sonar. Are you using 
you know, traditional down imaging? Are you using side scan? Like how, what are you doing to kind of find them, them big? Well, I mean, uh, I I like side scan. I mean, really, I mean, if we didn't have, if I didn't have side scan and make, make life a whole lot, you know, worser and worser is not a, not a word, but that's my word. But, you know, you'd have to do a lot of idling over them and stuff like that. But side scan is, it's really neat because you can, what I do is I'll put it on, like if I'm going down the ledge or a certain, either the shallow part, I'll shoot it off to one side. I don't do both left and right. And uh, so the uh, electronics show, it shows up a lot better when you do just one side. And that's something a lot of people don't understand. And uh, I try and teach teach folks you know when they ride with me that that's what you want to do now when the fish get in the creeks now that's a different ball game you do want to shoot it on both both sides because they could be on either side if you're going into a ditch or something like that but uh these fish are they're they're headed into the creeks mouth of the creeks and stuff like that they're not in the same places uh there's still some fish out but it's just a transition at this point sure talking about the creek mouth fish so are are you talking about them just kind of moving up like into the actual creek off of the lake or are you talking about them when you say creek mouth are you talking about like where it dumps in still out in the main body of the lake but kind of you know usually a creek at least down here it dumps out into a lake and, and it'll get a little bit deeper in that spot where the creek runs out you get some cleaner better oxygenated water right well, what happens this time of year is the fish that are out there, say, in the river or, or in the deep part of the creek, they're going to migrate into ditches and the mouths of the creeks, and then they'll they'll go further back in, you know, the colder the water gets because the shad's going to move move back in the creek. So that's that's what's happening. It's, it's just in its starting stage right now. You know, we're talking about 78 degrees. Now, when that water temperature gets in the 60s and middle 60s and low 60s, which will probably happen in two or three weeks, you know, because we're have some, you know, colder weather coming in. So so those fish are really going to move around on us. So you just got to follow, follow the fish. I mean, it's worst thing you could do is do what you did in the summer, you know, or do what you did in the spring. You know, it's because the fish are not going to be so much in the same places. So uh, because they're moving, they're following the the food source. And uh, you follow, it's threadfin shad. I mean, that's really the main main food source is threadfin. We got gizzard and and that kind of stuff. And then I've been seeing the needlefish. They've been chasing needlefish on top. Really? Kind of interesting. Yes, sir. You know, needlefish would jump out of the water, and the I mean, right in the middle of the day, it could be you know, today was what I think the high today was like seventy eight. This is one of the coolest days that we've had. It it really has been. That's a uh, that's interesting about needlefish. So I've I've seen them down here, and I've always thought, man, something's got to eat one eventually, just because there's so many of them. <laughs> but I've I've never well, watched that happen. Them. Really? Yeah, they they'll eat them. It's it's amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm add that in my some, list. You know, some of them get big. I mean, some of those needlefish are, you know, I've seen them what a foot long, and you know they got a little meat on the bone. 
So yeah, I've I've seen them where they get big enough that if you're out there bow fishing at night, you'll you'll look at them and you'll think for a second that you got a gar. That's Correct. interesting. That's interesting. I, that, I'm gonna put that in my get no, rich quick you, ideas. Uh, I'm gonna make a needlefish topwater lure now that you mentioned that. <laughs> oh yeah. Only you, Nick. Only you. Uh, hey, hey, I will be the only person offering it. So there's there's that. You can say that about it. It's the only one of us. Well, kind. this time of year, th- this time of year, and, and in the next, I guess, two or three weeks, maybe month, it's going to be a topwater bite. It's it's a fun time to fish topwater. The lake really is not known for topwater like some other lakes, but there is a topwater bite in the fall. There just is. They get real aggressive. They're chasing the bait. And, uh, you know, you can get out there early in the morning and, and catch some good fish. And it's a fun time, you know, to do top water. I know you said that you weren't much of a frog guy. So when you when you top water fish, what do you throw? You know, the whopper plopper is nice. I, I throw a, a, a spiral a minnow by depths. It's a high priced, it looks like a jerk bait, but it's got a a, a prop on the back of it and uh, and it's just an interesting bait it's like 30 bucks but that thing has caught me a lot of good fish and uh, I do like it I'll do a Zorro spook and the whopper plopper those three now I, I'm not going to say that you couldn't throw you know a, a popper or something like that I mean you just have to experiment bait sometimes but you know it's the fall transition so you got to change 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 up follow follow the bait sure well when you're when, i've been you know, catching them uh I've, I've been catching them in depths 10 to 15 lately is is the main depth that i'm catching them in right this minute so i've been catching them on a lipless crankbait they're they're starting to get on a lipless crankbait because they're aggressive and and a, and a crankbait not all the time but i mean you know, I will throw a deep diving crankbait as long as you can dig that bottom and, uh, you know, and then pause it. You can burn it a little bit and pause it. I mean, these fish are really aggressive when they go to go to eating. Right, that's what I was just going to ask. And I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I was going to ask when you moved from top water what you were throwing. So you talk about the lipless crankbait. I know down here people throw a lot of mirror lures. Uh, what's your favorite lipless crankbait? I like, I like the Berkeley War Pig. I mean, I've got some of the three-quarter ounce that they quit making. The half ounces, you know, they still make it, and it's it's a really good one. The Strike King uh, Red Eye is a good one, but I think it's more in uh, in the spring. It, the fall rate of it just it just doesn't have a you know these fall fall rate on a, on a lipless. You got to have the right fall rate. That's just all it is to it, and that Berkeley is is got the right fall rate that that's interesting i've uh kind of kind of go into more detail on that on on the fall rate i know that's a thing i've i've got into with fly fishing with nymphs is, is a lot of people are concerned about the fly the, the fall rate but i haven't heard about it as pertains to bass really right right well you know there's you know the lipless crankbait i have to admit i mean you it is a versatile bait i mean because you can fish it three or four different ways. What I like to do is, is yo-yo it. I mean, I'll pull it up, let it fall. And so uh, once that thing falls, uh, the bass look at it like it's an injured bait fish and, and they can't turn it down. So that's, that's one of my, 
uh, most productive patterns. Sometimes you can reel it straight in, but that's usually in the spring when they're shallow, shallow. But, you know, the worst thing you can do is just reel it in. You, you need to work it, pump it, you know, wind it in, kill it. And, you know, it's just, uh, you can fish it in any 20 foot depths. People, people don't, uh, use it that way. I mean, sure. I've caught fish on it in, in 20 foot. I mean, so it's just one of them deals. If you're fishing a lipless crankbait, is there any particular rod and reel combo you like to throw on or, or a particular line that you prefer? Right. Well, I usually do 15 pound. Uh, I like 15 pound fluorocarbon contra is a real good line that, uh, strike King makes. I like it. There's plenty of other lines, but 15, 16 pound line. Sometimes I'll go 12. If I want it to fall a little quicker, you can play with the fall rate, you know, but, um, your rod, I mean, I, I use seven, three to seven and a half medium heavy. And I use a six or a seven speed reel. I know uh, I've seen where people use eight, you know, the eight to one and all that, but I, I don't, I don't like eight. I mean, I just, cause I'm more finessing it and that kind of stuff. So yeah, you gotta have the right, you gotta have the right tools for the job. And that that's what you're talking about. Sure, you know, absolutely. just like a deep, deep diving crankbait, you need to have the right, the right setup for that too. Right. But this time of year, these fish get real aggressive, uh, chasing the bait and uh, the moving bait, I'm not saying that you can't slow down and catch a fish because you can, but if you if you get into a little pack, a little school, I mean, you can catch a bunch of them, you know, in one place, and uh, it happens this time of year. But you gotta you gotta find that place. That's right. the thing. When you find that place, is it a is it a, a numbers bite or a, is it a big fish bite or is it a little bit of both mixed in? You know, it's it, it could be a mixed bag this time of year. You don't always catch a bunch of big ones. I mean, you can catch a big one, but then there's, you know, a smaller fish in the school because they're all, you know, wanting to feed up. So it just depends. You got to be, you got to not go, you know, go fishing with the preconceived idea that they're going to do this or they're going to do that. But you need to have a general idea as to how, you, how you're going to catch them. I think that's a... A general theme here on the show that I've heard from a lot of guides, I'll just say this to our listeners, is preconceived ideas will hurt you. It's it's best to pay attention, you know, like, like, like you was talking about earlier. Stay on the shad, pay attention, move. Don't do the same thing that you was doing two or three weeks ago, thinking that, that that's going to pay off this week. And then, like you said, it's good to have history, you know, and be able to pull back in your mind what's happened in previous years. But you mentioned that, too, that that can can hurt you. I think I think that's real good advice. Whether you're hunting or fishing, is just to uh, be be wary of those preconceived ideas when you're out on the water. Well, the 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 fish are in a transition, so this is the time of year that you have to you have to spend a little time riding around looking. You have to uh, try and get ahead of where they're going. You know, instead of trying to find them right there, you want to kind of understand where they're heading and go into a place and then work your way out because you're going to, you're going to find them somewhere in between where they're going and, and where they've been. And so it's just one of those deals this time of year. And it, and it, it could be challenging. 
I mean, you could look at the weights of some of these tournaments and they're not that good right now. And because I think people get stuck on doing the same thing that they were doing, you know, a, a month or so ago, you know, doing the summer pattern. And it's, it's just not, it's not going to work because the fish are changing. Right. Well, I, I, I'm excited personally. Uh, I always look forward to the spring fishing and the, and the fall fishing. We talked about it earlier off air that, you know, you mentioned some people weren't comfortable with the ledge bite, and I'm one of them. I like to see those fish get up shallow because I just catch more of them. So uh, it, in my mind, we're getting up on a good time of the year. The fishing's going to pick up, and then we're going to start start deer hunting. But if people are looking to get a hold of you, Graz, where's a, uh, where's a good place to reach out to you if they want to book a trip and get in on some of that fall action? Well, you can always call me at 706-593-4192. And, of course, I have a website, com, And I'm on Facebook. So, you know, text me or give me a call, whatever. The thing I like about when I take my clients out and everything and I try and teach them, you know, everything, they any questions that they want to ask have i'll answer them and what i like about it is is they'll call me or they'll text me pictures of where you know when they go back home their home lake and their <laughs> i mean it makes me feel good that they ask me questions because i tell them i said you know just because you know you paid paid for me to take you out i said don't don't be afraid to call me or text me you know at any time for any information and and so that's that's how i roll because i'm 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 retired i'm doing it to help it's not you know my uh first uh, money stream or whatever where i have to do it to to, to live so i just got um you know i want to i want to give back and that's what i've been doing and it, and it makes me feel whole and i appreciate that well, absolutely. Well, guys, we always, I always enjoy hearing from you. I know our listeners do too. Uh, guys, y'all be sure to check them out if y'all want to do some fishing on that Lake Eufaula area. And uh, guys, I appreciate your time and look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. All righty, folks. That was Steve Graziano again. He is a bass guide over on the Lake Eufaula system. He's been doing it for a long time and he knows what he's doing. We're going to take a quick break and hear from some of the sponsors that keep this show free to you. And when we come back, we're going to have Eric Cagle talking about crappie fishing. Stay tuned. This week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by Hayabusa. Hayabusa provides the world with outstanding fishing hooks. Hayabusa is manufactured in Japan with technical designs, functionality, durability, and styles that customers who want to catch more fish demand. Hayabusa Fishing works tirelessly to provide the highest quality products manufactured and ensures current and prospective customers achieve a higher level of performance by using innovative products. From sabikis and saltwater hooks and jigs to freshwater hooks. See what they're all about at HayabusaFishing.com. Also brought to you by Hilton's Real-Time Navigator. The days of heading out and blindly looking for good fishing areas are pretty much over. Don't waste time and money on fuel searching for fish. You need the recent highest resolution images to not only know where to go, but where not to go. The knowledge provided by today's technology is critical when planning an offshore fishing trip. Make the choice that professional captains all over the Gulf make and choose Hilton's Real-Time Navigator. The easy-to-use interface and excellent customer service will have you on the fish every time you go. Check it out at hiltonsoffshore.com. Also brought to you by Bucks Island. Bucks Island is a family-owned and operated business since 1948. They have new pontoon boats, bass boats, bow riders, and aluminum boats for sale. 
They love trade-ins for boats and motors. They can rig your boat or ship your new motor anywhere in the United States. They provide boat service on all kinds of boats, even if they weren't purchased from Bucks. They have factory-trained and certified technicians. Visit them at 4500 Highway 77, Southside, Alabama, 35907 zip code, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. All right, guys, we are back, and this time we're here with Eric Cagle. Eric, how you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, doing well, real good. Well, good, good. Did you get a, I know you said that uh, earlier today you was working on your boat. Did you get everything worked out? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's always, like I said, it's always something when you, when you use them as much as we do, you, you're always working on them. So we got it, got it fixed up, ready to go. That's, that's the truth. I know you guys put a lot of hours on them. What, uh, is that something you keep track of? Roughly how many hours you think you put on a boat in a year? Man, <laughs> it varies a, a little bit, but, uh, I had a, a three a three year old tracker that I that I sold three months and, and three years and two months old had two thousand fifteen hours on it. Good so, gracious! Uh, four, you know, at least four 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 to five hundred a year, pretty much. I I thought so, that I was doing pretty good. I was just talking for a, a show that we're gonna do later on. I was talking with the guy with a uh, backwater mud motors. And uh, I thought I thought I was doing pretty good to put 500 hours on a mud motor in three years, but uh, you run yeah. yours just a teeny bit more than I do, and I run mine more than the average bear. So yeah, that's right. I mean, we it's it's just damn every it's an everyday thing, man. That's it. So uh, that's it. Well, r- remind our listeners. I, I know you kind of over there on, on the Tallapoosa and the Coosa water systems. R- remind our listeners where where you've been fishing here lately. Which lake systems have you been on? Man, I you know I. I'm in I'm in Mississippi in the summer. I, I came home from my my three month stint there at Grenada Lake in Mississippi about three weeks ago. I had a week here at home and uh then I headed to Logan Martin there on the Coosa up in uh Lincoln, Alabama is where we put in at that new land. I don't know if, if uh, any of your, your listeners are from Lincoln or, or you know, around that area, but that might be the best looking boat ramp I've ever seen. Uh, it's brand new. It's called Lincoln Landing there in Lincoln, Alabama, uh, on Logan Martin Lake. And there's about, I think they got 10 boat lanes there to put your boats in, about two or 300 boats, uh, parking, parking places there, bathrooms, uh, a big, you know, pavilion there. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what they've done there. I, I don't know if you've seen that yet or not, but it's, uh, it's a pretty cool deal there, but we spend, uh, we spent, I spent nine days up there uh, fishing the Wally Marshall Invitational last week. Uh, just got back two days ago from that, but we uh, we were fortunate to to make the day three stage. We finished. We had a top ten ten. We finished in eighth place up there. So not not great, but not too bad either. So I, I I've been on the Coosa for for nine days, and then I've been on the Tallapoosa here on Lake Martin the last two days, but. But basically the same things going on right now at, at both places. The, the water temperature is still in the mid mid eighties. We'll say eighty three to eighty five is what I saw. You know both places. But those fish are stacked on brush. Uh, they're they're everywhere. Finding them is not the issue. Uh, catching them is the issue. Getting them to open their mouth and eat is the is the issue this time of the year. And and it, it'll stay that way until we get you know a, a little bit of cooler cooler weather to, to get that water down in the 70s when that when that water starts bumping 75 those fish will go to, to eating a little better but uh until it gets down there this it's going to be a tough bite 
you saw that in the weights at Logan Martin. I think, you know, nine pounds, you know, seven crappy was, was a good weight. And that's, you know, that's not a big weight for Logan Martin, but this time of the year when they won't bike, you know, that's what it, that's what it took. So that, that just goes to show you how, how tough the bite was uh, there. And it's the same on the Talapusa here. Like I said, Lake Martin's pretty much the same. You, you can find them, but you just can't, you know, hard to get them to eat right now. If, if, uh, if, if you were ever going to fish with some minnows, <laughs> now, now's the, now's the time uh, sure. on both rivers. Here. Sure. It's interesting that you say that. So I'd, I'd say one, don't don't sell yourself too short. Eight out of ten. That's uh, you obviously know something about getting them crappie to open their lips up. What was your secret? What what was you throwing at them to to tempt them? And we we threw uh, you know, and and I don't do this very often. Just just to try to get those fish to eat. I I, I mean I I fish black crappie most of the year, and you know until we go to Mississippi in the summer, and then it's white fish there, but. I, I can talk a few of those fish into eating, but man, it, it was it was like pulling teeth. I mean, it, like it was like that for everybody there. But we used a a a one sixty fourth hair jig, and and we used some real small one inch plastics too. But those little hair jigs we were using, I mean, they looked like a fly. I mean, that's how small they were. And you can sometimes you can take that little bug, little hair jig, and and put it in that pile of fish and just kind of sit it there. You know, just just basically just hold it there, and and eventually one of them will, will, will reaction bite it. They'll come by and just you know pop it. So you can catch some, you know, some doing that, and you know, and and it was artificial bait only. I mean, if you could have used minnows, you you probably could have slip corked the minnow down there and 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 let it swim around and got some bites too. But you know, we, we weren't able to use minnows in that in that tournament. But uh, we we pretty much caught those fish on a on a one sixty fourth, and even. Uh, Joe Portenza, who fished it with me, he used a one one hundredth, which is the smallest I've ever seen. I've never used anything that small, but he had some in his bag and put a split shot above it to get it down there, and it uh, it worked. We you know we we caught plenty of fish. Don't get me wrong, but the the big fish bite was pretty much non-existent, and and we were on a lot of big fish. Uh, I mean, I'm sitting there you know watching them on live scope. And uh, you just you just cannot. The only way you can get those fish to eat right now is by getting a reaction bite out of them. And uh, you know, a, a lot of them won't even do that. So it's just you know, September. You know, I don't I don't want to discourage anybody, but you know, September is usually August and September are usually the worst two months out of the year to catch crappie on the Tallapoosa and, and the Coosa River chain here. Now, I'll be interested to kind of talk about that a little bit more, but I, I do want to take a second to talk a little bit more about them hair jigs. So I've talked with, with several anglers this summer. I think, um, if I remember right, the last time I spoke with Dip, Dip McMillan, he was uh, talking about having some good success with hair jigs. And I hear I hear pros talk about them. I don't think, I don't feel like the average Joe is fishing with them a whole lot. It is just kind of what I'm intuiting just from, from the conversations that I see. And I know 164th, that's a really small jig. I do have some 164th that I pull out with some little one inch soft plastics for fishing for bigger bluegill, um, in the spring and fall. But tell me more about your hair jigs. Is that something that you're tying up yourself? Is, is there a small local guy that's tying them for you? Kind of like people kind of do with, with like local fly fishing flies, or is, is there a place that you're getting them from? I mean that's that's basically what it is is, is a, a fly fishing uh, fly. I mean if you really look at it, but 
No, there's a lot of guys now. You know, with, with live scope, uh, forward-facing sonar, you know, I mean, these fish are, are, are getting smart to it. I mean, we've, we've seen it in the last few years. I mean, the bite bite's actually gotten a little tough, you know, and not necessarily on these blackfish lakes, but, but for sure on whitefish lakes. Where, where we're chasing them around but there, i mean there's a there's a ton of guys out there that, that are tying uh small hair jigs uh i mean i could name 50 little companies i mean i'm not going to name any individual companies but i mean you can get on on facebook or online right now and, and type in crappy hand ties and you know hand tied jigs and there, there's ten thousand of them so it, you know any of them i mean all of them work i mean they all have you know good hooks in them these days but any, any small hair jig, you know, 64th or, or you know, and, and back in the day, the, the smallest somebody would go was like a 32nd, you know, 132nd. But now it's even smaller because those when, when those fish are real lethargic like they are now, uh, take Logan Martin, for instance, they really didn't want to eat that bait. But, you know, if they just barely, you know, just barely suck that bait, that, that jig's so light that it'll go in their mouth and you can catch them. You know, whether it's if you had a 16th ounce, you know, plastic down there, it's a little bigger profile. If they just nipped at it, then that bait wouldn't go in their mouth. You, does that make sense? It, it does. Yeah, I, I think definitely going with a, a smaller and a lighter bait works. I've had some uh, pretty good bluegill fishing this summer, switching to flies and throwing little bitty size like 18 to 24 flies which is substantially smaller than what you get on a lot of other stuff uh you know and i've i've done better with flies a few days even on than i've do than i would do with live bait just because i think you're right like i think they're kind of putting a little half-hearted peck at something and yep. if it's that light i almost think maybe it surprises them like it's lighter than what a real bug or minnow would be and and they you know end up taking it a little deeper than they would have thought that they did i've i've noticed that you get better hookups yep is, is there a particular color that was working for y'all man i you know i i, I think i've said it uh on, on on this deal before but you know I, I mean there's like four i'm not a big color guy i mean there's like four colors i use so we use any any shed color gray black uh black and chartreuse and you know on, on any orange or orange and chartreuse i mean that's pretty much it uh, you know, you, you can put the, with four faces on, you can put the bait on their nose so they don't have any trouble seeing it. Sure. So, you know, I mean, I, I don't think color is as big a factor as it used to be. So, and, and that's my opinion. I mean, that's that's just the, the way I think about it. But, you know, back in the day when <clears throat> when you were, you know, those guys were pushing or, or casting or, or long line trolling, you know, those fish might be able to see a shade uh, a little bit better from three feet away. But, they're not having to see it from three feet away now. We're taking it, and putting it right on their nose. So, so the, I, I don't think the color plays near as you know as near the effect that it used to. I, I think you know as long as that that fish sees the bait, then he's either going to eat or he's not. Yeah, you know, I, so. I, I think we were talking last week with Kyle over at ATX Lure Company, and he was saying. Something kind of similar, you know, the saying that he had a handful of confidence colors that he did 90% of his fishing with. He said he did a lot of fishing with the old monkey milk. And uh, he, he said that he was more concerned about matching the size, you know, finding a size that they were willing to hit than he was finding a particular color. Yeah. Um, 
the color hooks the fisherman, not the fish. That, that's it. That's it. it well, I mean, that's what he was saying. He's like, I mean, I don't want to tell people since I make lures. He said, I'm not going to tell people that you can catch all the fish you need with just one color because I want you to buy all the colors. But he's I mean, like, I, I fish one color. <laughs> let's, well, let's circle back. You were saying that you thought August and September was, was kind of some of your worst crappie fishing on the Coosa and Tallapoosa. When in your mind does it start to historically get a little bit better? And and what are you looking for to tell you, okay, now's the time, you know, to start getting excited again about the fall bite? The the Coosa River chain, you can, and, and, and like I said, I don't want to be discouraging to somebody wanting to go out and fish because you can still catch fish. You know, it's just not nearly as good. When that water temperature starts getting back down in the 70s, mid to low 70s, those fish, you know, and honestly, 72 is is and lower is is really when they when they turn on you know for the better but as soon as we get the first frost of the year and it knocks that water temperature on down is is usually when you can count on you know going a a day or two after that first frost you can usually go and and start catching better numbers the talapusa lake martin the talapusa is fishing a little bit better right now than the coosa is those those fish are biting a little bit better for for what reason i i don't know uh the water temperature is about the same they're they're, they're just biting a little bit better on the talapusa than they are the coosa right now but that varies too but man that that coosa river uh jordan you know mitchell logan martin lay those, those september has always been bad on, on that Coosa River chain, it's just that's just the worst month. I mean, since I was a kid, I I can I mean I got a a, a folder, a, a little notebook that I kept notes in for like ten years, and September was <laughs> you can go back and look at the notes on every September and, and, and it's terrible. So you know they the, the the fish like I said you can you can find all the fish you want. They're on every every brush pile that that they're supposed to be on and every stump that they're supposed to be on, but, but getting them, getting them to open their mouths, a, a little different, you know, different story. But yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a water temperature thing. And it's a, if you go to those lakes right now and look at them, the water's crystal clear, uh, even on the Coosa river chain, the water's crystal clear. And, and that's a big reason why the bite's so tough too. Those fish can see really well, you know, the, the, the thermocline is low in the water. So, you know, that that's that's what, you know, makes those fish real lethargic this time of the year is uh, I think that clear water has a lot to do with it rather than, you know, coming into the winter when we start getting some of these rains and, and, and some of these fronts pushing in, you know, we'll get a little murky, you know, a little, a little color in that water and that, and that helps the bite too. Sure. Well, I know, like you said, you don't want to discourage people from going fishing and I've always said that, uh, you catch more, way more of them out there in the boat than you do sitting on the couch. Right. If people wanted to book a trip with you, or if they wanted to maybe wait till it was a little bit cooler, where's a good place to uh, get a hold of you? And they, they can give me a call three three four five five eight four zero nine seven, or uh, or shoot me a message on Facebook. Um, that's the best way to get in touch with me. I've got like four days left in December, and uh, and then we're into we're into twenty twenty four. Believe it or not, it's it's crazy to I think we're already there, but I mean we're not far away. So I'm well, there. We go. I'm booking booking 2024. Four more trips, and we're we're booking <laughs> what we got left open in 24. So yeah, I'd, I'd love love to have them, and uh, we'll we'll go 
all I can tell them is we'll go get after them. That's it. Well, and, and you're real humble about it, but guys, I can tell you, that's how you know you got a good fishing guide is when he's booked out three or four months in advance. So y'all definitely, y'all go ahead and give Eric a call if you want to get out there on the Coosa Talapusa River Lakes, and uh, Eric will holler at you later. I appreciate your time. Hey, thank you, man. Yes, sir. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up this week's show. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a second to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening. If you'd like for us to email you the podcast, you can just text FISHING to 314-665-1767. Again, just text the word FISHING to 314-665-1767 to subscribe to our email list, and we'll send you the new show each week. This week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by Texas Hunter. Since 1954, Texas Hunter Products has delivered the finest quality fish and game feeders and hunting blinds in the industry. To learn more, visit TexasHunter.com. Also brought to you by Allen and Marine. Allen and Marine has something for everyone, from small hunting boats to pontoons to bigger bay and hybrid boats for the hardcore angler. You can visit them at 34600 Highway 59 in Stapleton, Alabama, or give them a call at 251-937-1380. Also by Southeastern Pond Management. Since 1989, Southeastern Pond Management has been a leader in pond and lake management services. Schedule an obligation-free consultation today. Call 1-888-830-POND or info at scpond.com. Also brought to you by Dixie Supply. Baker Metalworks and Dixie Supply manufacture a variety of metal roofing systems to meet your needs. Whether you're putting a new roof on your home or sheeting a commercial building, they have you covered. Baker Metalworks and Dixie Supply, your metal roofing headquarters. Also brought to you by KillerDock combines durability, function, and design to uniquely upgrade your entire dock experience. Visit KillerDock.com to see more.